Can dry bones live? Can the dead live again? Is there a God? And if he exists, can I draw near to him? And can he give me eternal life? If you've ever wondered about any of these questions, you're in the right place on the right day. Today is Easter. This is the tabernacle. We want to welcome you. Uh, My name is John, and I'm one of the pastors, and I just want to say you're in the right place. We're going to start just by reading the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Uh, Where we're going to pick up in our reading is this is after uh, the historical event of Jesus' death and his burial. Historians agree. The Bible agrees. There was a real man. His name was Jesus. He was a teacher. Uh, He was crucified by Romans. And uh, we're going to read what happened uh, on the third day after he was buried. It says in Matthew 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word. And this is just one of the four accounts of his resurrection. Each contained in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of John, that have just a little bit different perspective and all contain individual details. But this has one of the most comprehensive details of what happened on that moment, that moment that literally changed history. First, it says, as these women, they were followers of Jesus, and and after his crucifixion, they must have been filled with pain and grief and, and, and unspeakable horror at the thought that their rabbi was dead. We can only imagine what Friday night and all day Saturday and Saturday night was like. And here on the first day of the week, what we call Sunday, they're there to prepare his body for burial because they didn't have time on Friday night. And it says that when they showed up, there was a great earthquake. The earth shook. It says that there was an angel and, and it's pretty cool, the description of this angel, it says that his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white. I like to think of this angel as white lightning, right? And so here's this guy, as the stone of the tomb, which was very heavy, is rolled away, he sits on top of the stone. That's what the women see. But there's other people in the garden, it says that there was also some guards, some Roman guards. And the Roman guards are filled with so much fear that they fall down as if they were dead, right? This, this earthquake, the opening of a grave, here's an angel, white lightning, and they're catatonic, right? And what happens next, 
the three words that the angel pronounces are cataclysmic in human history. No other three words have the same power that divides everything before from everything that comes after. It's the centerpiece of everything. The three words, he says, he has risen. He has risen. Those words shake history. And all of our lives depend on those three words. You see, what the angel was pointing to the fact that Jesus had promised he would come back from the dead and he had come back from the dead and he was no longer here. And that event, it's interesting in its effect on the two groups of people that were there. We have the women who were his followers and as they show up, we can only imagine what they were thinking. I mean, there was fear, there was trepidation, but there's also, there's gotta be some kind of excitement. They'd stake their lives on this. The guards they fall down, they faint. Now, I don't want to be too hard on these guys. These are professional soldiers. These are Roman soldiers. And if you read the accounts of the gospel, what we find is after Jesus' death on the cross and his burial, his enemies, his political and religious enemies had gone to the Romans and asked for this guard. You see, they were afraid that if something happened to this body, that the disciples might claim that he had risen from the dead. They knew that if this guy rises from death, we have a problem. He's not just like any other one of us. He's not just a mere mortal. We've got a real problem if this tomb is empty. And so they'd had those guards posted there and these professional trained soldiers fall down as if they're dead. We find out later that some of them, not all of them, but some of them actually, uh, uh, you know, when they came to their senses, ran back to town and, and reported to the religious leaders all that had happened. And instead of saying, whoa, you know what, maybe we were wrong about Jesus, the, the religious leaders instead bribed these guys to, to concoct a lie, essentially. And, and some of these soldiers, it says some, I don't know these guys, we don't know about all, but some took the bribe and spread a story that Jesus' body was stolen in the middle of the night while they were asleep, as if that could happen. You've probably heard it said before that a Roman soldier who failed in his duty would forfeit his life. But that was their attitude. They were hard-hearted and they chose to deceive and to take the bribe. But what about the response of the women? It says the women immediately after hearing from the angel, those words, he has risen, those words that they would long for and maybe even dared to hope might happen, they turn in fear to run back and tell the other disciples. And suddenly there he is. There he is, Jesus. And it says in Matthew that his first word, it's so fitting, he says, greetings. <laughs> I kind of wanted him to say greetings, earthlings. But he says, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and that they too will see me. The reason that I chose this account for this Easter Sunday is we've been talking about rattle. We've been talking about this idea, can dead bones come to life again? Can the dead be resurrected? Is there a God? And if he is real, if I draw near to him, can he make my life come alive now? And can he promise me life forever? Well, what I want to tell you is if the Bible is true, then the answer to all those questions are yes. And yes, simply because he is risen. 
But it all depends on what your response is to those three words. When you hear those three words, he is risen, some of us kind of say, oh yeah, there's Jesus and the tomb was empty and so yeah, he is risen, but we don't really shape our lives differently at all. For some of us, we hear the words, he is risen, and we say, ah, that's what a preacher thinks, or that's what you know, those Christians think, or that sect, or, or those group of people, and it doesn't really drop from our head down into our heart. Both of those groups of people, that, that's no different than the guards who chose the way of deception, they chose the way of bribery, they chose not to live differently. You see, Jesus' enemies understood that if the tomb was empty, then he was for real. And I don't understand why even that evidence didn't put some of them over the line, but who knows why someone will accept Christ or, or believe in God or not. But the fact is that he is risen. Those words, the empty tomb, are important for us. You see, the proof there is in the resurrection. If it is true, then Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, then his word is true, the Bible is true, the gospel is true, and everything changes. And I'll concede, maybe you came here with some friends or some family, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're just listening in to see what those Christians think. I'll concede to you that if the resurrection is not true, if he's not risen, then he's not God. And if he's not God, the Bible is not true, and his word is not true, and his promises aren't true. And to be honest, this is all a colossal waste of time. But he has risen. Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. And if you think about that, if you meditate on that, if you receive that, if you believe that, if you stake your life on it, well, that just rattles everything in your world. That changes everything. That means there is a for real God And that God promised that he'll come through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is what it says about the cross to us. And and it puts it in stark wording. In, In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's just one verse, so I want to read it again. The word of the cross, that means the verdict of the cross, the meaning of the cross, the final reality of the cross, what Jesus did there by willingly taking all of the sins of any who would believe on him to the cross, laying his life down, then defeating sin, Satan, and death by coming back to life. He's saying the word of that, the word of the cross, is folly to those who are perishing. Essentially, he's saying to those who are headed for death, who are headed for eternal life separated from God, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. It sounds like a dumb story. It sounds like an old wives' tale. It sounds like a myth. It's not real. This is, the cross to them is folly. But it says, but to us who are being saved, it's speaking about those who are Christians, those who have believed in Jesus Christ, who have received the gospel by faith, accepting his grace, your life has changed. It says, it is the very power of God, the very power of God. So folly, or it can save you, this whole idea of Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection. It says in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. Simply that all of us have sinned, none of us are perfect, 
And the final outcome of living a life sinning against man and sinning against God, there can only be one outcome, and that's death. But it goes on to say, after it says the wages of sin is death, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you can choose not to believe and face death or receive and believe and have eternal life. Not just eternal life someday. The beauty of the gospel, it's eternal life right now. But in the second part of that 1 Corinthians passage, it says that there's also power. There's power in believing in what Jesus did on the cross and power in believing that he has risen. You see, if you believe those things, you become a child of God. You become a Christian and the power of the cross transforms your life. For those of us that have been a part of the tabernacle, we've been in this series called Rattle where we went all the way back to Ezekiel chapter 36. And this is like... 500 plus years before Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, where the prophet Ezekiel in this vision of God asked that question, can these bones live? But before we got there, we got to the promise of God, where God promised Ezekiel, he promised Israel, he promised all who would believe that if you receive this gospel by faith, that he would give you a new heart, a new spirit, that he would remove our hearts of stone and replace them with a heart of flesh. This is the promise of God, and this is the power that comes through Jesus Christ, the power of the cross. What does all this mean? What does all this mean on this Easter 2021? It has long-lasting effects for all of us, and it's simply this, is that the cross and the power of the cross, the cross has the final word about you. The cross has the final word about you, the final verdict, the final say about you. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, young, old, if you're a student, married, divorced, it doesn't matter anything that happened in the past or anything that's going to happen in the future or whatever you brought with you today. The cross has the final word about you. What will you do with the cross? How will you respond to the gospel And to the fact that Jesus died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, he has risen, now what are you going to do about it? Well, the cross has the final word. You see, there's no failure that Jesus Christ can't forgive. There's no sin in your past, there's no mistake that you've made. There's no situation that you're in right now that he can't forgive. We run into people all the time that were like, well, you know, I would become a Christian, but you don't know what I've done. I'd, you know, I'd try church and more than once or twice a year, but you know, just that's for other people. I've made too many mistakes. There's no failure. Christ can't forgive. It says in the book of 1 John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a verse that's a promise. That if you'll confess your sin to God, he will always forgive. There's only one sin that God won't forgive, and that's the sin of rejecting his son, Jesus Christ, rejecting the power of the cross. That is the unpardonable sin. Every other failure, God won't fail to forgive if you ask him. There's no pain that God cannot redeem. You know, sometimes the pain and the evil and the suffering of this world is not the mistakes that we've made, but it's the pain and suffering that life brings to us. It's what those people did or that person or that situation, those hurts. 
right? There's no amount of pain and there's no amount of suffering that the power of the cross can't redeem. What do I mean by redeem? God is the ultimate at taking something bad and using it for his good purposes. Sometimes I see those purposes, sometimes I don't. But it says in Romans chapter 8, it says that God works all things for the good of those who love him. That God has a plan and God has a purpose. And if we'll give him our failure, if we'll give him our pain, if we'll give him our suffering, he can redeem it. That's the power of the cross. That's the, that's the rattle, if you will, that he can do to your life and to my life. And it isn't just a gospel for someday. We say that quite often here at the tabernacle. It's a gospel for right now. He's a for real God who changes lives right now. Why? Because he has risen and it's the power of the cross. And the beauty is, is, is the world doesn't have the final word about you. The cross has the final word about you. Your family doesn't have the final word about you. The cross has the final word about you. What those people think, what you've done, what they did to you, that's not the end of the story. It's what you do with the cross. And the cross, thank God, has the final word. Lastly, the cross, this final word is, 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 means that there's no person that the cross can't reclaim. There's no person that's gone too far or wandered too far away or is, is not redeemable. You're, you're not special. You're unique. God made you unique. But your sin, your shame, your pain, it's not special. There's millions of people that are lost and far from God. There's millions of people that have been abused. There's millions of people that have done horrible things. Hundreds of millions of people if you start looking through the, uh, through the spectrum of history. But there's no person that God, by the power of the cross, cannot reclaim. And I wonder if today that might be you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've grown up in church, but you've never really given your life to Christ. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church or listened to a podcast or, 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 or watched online, and maybe that person is you. There's no life that the power of the cross can't reclaim. You see, the cross has the final word about you, what you do with the cross. Now, I want to be real clear. Here's a warning. This is why we say that the cross has that final word. Because what you do with the cross, you will either be condemned by it or you will be redeemed by it. You will either be saved and justified and adopted and transformed and given new life or what Jesus did on the cross will condemn you. And that's the damnation that all of us deep inside want to avoid. There's no person the cross can't reclaim. Probably the most well-known verse in Scripture. John chapter 3, verse 16. Guy with the crazy hair in the end zone back in the 80s waving that sign. What does it say? That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him would not perish, but have eternal life. I wonder if that whosoever might be one of us. It might be you. So what do you believe about the cross? What do you believe about he has risen? If it is true 
Everything in your life will change. Everything in your life must change. And tabernacle, that is the rattle that we've been looking for. If you you were in this series, Hope Open, we were going to say something new. We've been talking about draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will change you. Draw near to God and he's going to rattle awake your life, your bones, your situation, your family, your marriage. That's true if you're a Christian. That's true if you're not sure if you're a Christian. That's true if you know you're not a Christian. If you draw near to God in faith and receive his grace, wow. Scripture says, your life is transformed. And the cross will have the final word about you, that you are a child of God. You've been saved. You've been redeemed. You've been justified. You've been adopted. There's nothing you can do to be separated from God's love. But if you don't receive it, you do it at your peril. You fall down like the guards, dead, dead. You don't believe You choose to deceive yourself. Bribed by the world, you choose a different direction. I hope you'll choose to believe. You know, the last word in the passage that I read after Jesus uh, had the women fall at his feet and they took hold of him and they worshiped him, it said, Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I want to make you this promise. If you draw near to God, you'll see him. You'll see him. Just like Jesus promised those women, promised those disciples. If in faith you go where I've asked you to go and he's asked us to draw near to him, he said, there you'll see me. You'll see him in your life. You'll see him in your relationships. You'll see him as he takes your pain, as he takes your shame, as he takes your sin, your hurt, And he redeems it and he turns it. And you experience that new heart, that new life, that new spirit. He can do that. Thank you for being with us. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? God in heaven, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would help us and draw us to believe by faith that you are risen, that you are the son of God, that Jesus the Christ is alive. Would you help us to draw near to him? We know you've promised to draw near to us. We thank you, God, that we serve a risen Lord. And it's in his name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.